welcome, is indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Ritchie. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, A.B. Burns Tucker, law student and host of I Am Legally Hype. Also, in the bullpen, my debate segment, we got Dave Spencer, host of Practically Political Podcast. We're going to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, the lawsuit against her, and is she in fact constitutionally qualified to hold political office? A top story of the day, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is she constitutionally qualified to hold political office? Well, according to some of the citizens in her district, the answer is no. Well, a federal judge has sided with those citizens saying that the lawsuit that says Marjorie Taylor Greene should not hold political office because of her insurrectionist act or giving aid and comfort thereof because of that. Well, this lawsuit actually has merit. Let me give you some background to this, all right? So a federal judge has now ruled that a group of Georgia voters can proceed with legal action seeking to disqualify United States Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for reelection to Congress, citing her role in the deadly attack on the US Capitol. Now, you may say, what was her role? And how does this disqualify her based on the Constitution? I'm going to give you all of those details. The challenge filed last month with the Georgia Secretary of State's office alleges that Green, a Republican, helped facilitate the January 6, 2021 riot and disrupted Congress from certifying Joe Biden's presidential election victory. That violates a rarely cited provision of the 14th Amendment and makes her ineligible to run for reelection according to the challenge. Now I'm going to be critical of the challenge just for a moment, okay? The challenge, in my opinion, should have focused on her giving aid and comfort rather than her planning or being involved in the attack. I think this was a strategic mistake by the attorneys, but I will give you the premise for my conclusion as I continue. The amendment says no one can serve in Congress who haven't previously taken an oath as a member of Congress to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same. This was ratified shortly after the Civil War. It was meant in part to keep representatives who fought for the Confederacy from returning to Congress. So basically this was a very, very small group of people who would even qualify under this amendment, which means they literally created a constitutional amendment for a particular individual that they did not want to unravel the government. Sounds smart, it was a good idea actually. Because individuals who are part of the Confederate, they committed treason. They were adversarial to the United States of America. We do not treat them as individuals who committed treason. We honor them in America, we give them street names and we name highways after them, it's utterly insane. But they did commit treason, okay? So they said this provision will stop those people who committed treason from trying to do it again through official government power. What do you see today? 
you see individuals who attempted to overthrow the United States government commit an act of treason, seeking and obtaining political power. There's more. Green 47, Marjorie Taylor Green 47 years of age filed a lawsuit earlier this month asking a judge to declare that the law that voters are using to challenge her eligibility is itself unconstitutional and to prohibit state officials from enforcing it. Now here's the great irony of her argument. She's arguing that the constitution is unconstitutional. That is her argument. Her literal argument is that the 14th amendment section three of the US constitution is in fact unconstitutional. Judge Amy Totenberg, who's been in the news before for voting rights issues, siding on the right side. In a 73 page ruling denied Green's request for a preliminary injunction and temporary restraining order. Green said in her lawsuit that she vigorously denies that she aided and engaged in insurrection to obstruct the peaceful transfer of presidential power. Now I'm going to show you a video from Newsmax, an ultra conservative news outlet that provided cover for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Look at how they contextualized it, here it is. Brought this case against her using the 14th Amendment, which was actually enacted after the Civil War to bar Confederates from running for Congress. The amendment says no one can serve in Congress who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. Or rebellion against the same. That's where. The journalists stopped. I'm using the terminology journalists loosely. But here's the part the journalists left out. Shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or, or, not and, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, that's in the constitution. That's amendment 14 section three. It doesn't stop with being involved in the insurrection. It also says if you have given aid and comfort to those who were, isn't that interesting? Well, why was that provision written? Because the individuals who wrote that amendment, they were well aware if they did not include that amendment, then the friends of those who committed treason would simply run for office and do their bidding for them. And they said, okay, if you provided aid for these individuals, you cannot qualify for public office. You cannot seek public office. You gave aid and comfort thereof. This is very simple, nothing complex about it, okay? Marjorie Taylor Greene went on record about this. She talked to none other than little Tuck Tuck, here it is. And now the progressives, the people that donate to dark money groups, you know, the 501c3s and the foundations, they've hired up some attorneys from New York who hate the people in my district and don't believe that they should have the right to elect who they want to send to Washington, which is me. I have overwhelming support in my district and I'm so thankful for all of them. Well, now they filed a lawsuit because they're trying to rip my name off of the ballot and steal my district's ability to reelect to me and send me back to Congress. Well, you should have thought about those things before you provided aid and comfort to those that committed insurrection against the United States government. You should have thought about the amendment 14 section three. 
So let's be very clear about all of this. Here's why the case is more important even than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene is important, but there's a bigger application here. Because is if this is successful against Marjorie Taylor Greene, then by legal theory, by established federal case law, it can also be successful against Donald Trump. But here's the great irony of it. Section 14, Article 3 has always been here. Why is it that it took citizens to file this lawsuit to hold accountable Marjorie Taylor Greene and others? Why are citizens leading a fight that should be led by the administration? Why is the Department of Justice not saying this? Why is Biden not saying this? Citizens literally are showing more courage than the entire government in power right now. AB thoughts. Yeah, so I think this particular amendment, Little Miss Marjorie, you fall directly into that, right? What we do not want are people in Congress who don't even understand the Constitution, because that's the basis of your position. That's the basis of your job. You need to understand the Constitution and how it works. So if you don't know that, then you don't qualify for your job, period. So it's time for you to go. But you did take the words right out of my mouth. Citizens are standing up. In a way that our government should be, in a way that this is why we voted in the government officials that we have, so that you can protect your citizens. So I'm glad that they're doing this. And let's also not be fooled by little Miss Marjorie's language, right? While she's saying we're ripping her opportunity to be reelected and we're stealing from her, just like y'all ripping people voting rights and stealing people's ability to be able to vote in your exact state. So you know what, Marjorie, you fall in line, learn the Constitution, and then when you get there, come try out for your job again. But I absolutely think she should be removed and should not be able to run. And it is interesting because she's going on multiple outlets defending herself, which means she's afraid. She did not simply release a statement from her office. She did not just release a social media video saying, hey, y'all, this is wrong what they're doing to me. Let me raise some money, okay? She's actually working to build a case so that she's not removed, which means she is in fear that this could happen. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree, right? They always say a hit dog will holler, right? So she's trying to get in front of it, but she obviously doesn't have good lawyers because a good lawyer would tell you to (laughs) shut up, be quiet, right? Let us handle this in a court of law the way we're supposed to. So this is how you know she doesn't have a case. So now she's trying to prove her case in the court of public opinion, but I don't think she has as much support as she might wanna try to convince us she does. So with that being said, again, bye Marjorie. Yep. Governor DeSantis, I mean DeSantis, DeSantis. Governor DeSantis now wants to increase taxes for those in Florida in order to punish Disney, okay? That's what he wants to do. Let me give you some background to this. Yesterday, Governor DeSantis escalated his war on Disney with his announcement to have the Florida legislature consider terminating the special districts established prior to 1968. This basically gives a special governance authority to Disney. And it allows Disney to also be affordable to those who patronize the facility, all right? Here's some of the video. 
I am announcing today that we are expanding the call of what they are going to be considering this week. And so, yes, they will be considering the congressional map, but they also will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968. And that includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Now, what is this about? This is because Disney has decided to side with common sense, with humanity, with decency, with respect, with inclusion, diversity. Because Disney has dared to stand up for these values that we should all stand up for, stand up for, they have dared to do this. Now, the governor of Florida is willing to utilize the awesome power of his executive and legislative authority and penalize them for their free speech, which by the way, this is actually a violation of the Constitution. Because the Constitution says that the government cannot make rules that will limit your speech. Disney has protected speech here. This is not a consumer boycotting Disney. This is a government entity saying because we don't like what you have said about our legislation, we are now going to penalize you. That is in fact a constitutional violation and I hope Disney sues them for that. Okay, this is the continued fallout under or due to Disney's criticism of the parental rights education, AKA don't say gay bill, all right? Despite Disney's tepid criticism of the legislation prior to its passage, the company has since said it is a goal for this law to be repealed. By the legislature struck down in the courts, it continued in part, we are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of the LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family, as well as the LGBTQ plus members community in Florida and across the country. DeSantis said their goal crossed the line, all right? This state is governed, he said, by the interest of the people of the state of Florida. It is not based on the demands of California corporate executives. They do not run this state, they do not control this state. Okay, here's the thing, isn't it quite interesting that when a corporation actually sides with the common person, Republicans no longer like corporations. Here's the other thing, Disney employs thousands of people. In addition to that, if this actually goes through as the governor has proposed, Economists say that it could increase the tax burden of those who live in Florida on an average of $25 to $2,800 a year. That is a tax increase. There's more. The Orlando Sentinel reported DeSantis earlier this month said he was receptive to changes to Disney's self-governing district. Some history and details of Reedy Creek, that's the district name. In 1967, State lawmakers passed the then Governor Claude R. Kurt Jr. signed the Reedy Creek Improvement Act that had been advocated by Disney for building a new, a new theme park. The district essentially has the same responsibility as the government, such as land use, essential public services, wastewater control, and more. But it's Disney that's able to operate these functions, all right? The Sentinel reports. And according to the news conference in Florida, other districts could be affected as well, all right? So let me get into that. Now we. Uh, get the intended move is to obviously punish Disney. But according to Mary Ellen uh, Class of the Miami Herald, there's a bit of a snag in the proposal. Abolishing the district involves paying Disney's $2 billion 
a bond debt from the building. All right, that's the building and the resorts. And to do that, families in orange counties could have thousands of dollars in an increase for taxes. Now, if you still believe that conservatives are low tax, smaller government people, I have some moon rocks to sell you. He's willing to punish the people of his state in order to make a political point. He's willing to get rid of thousands of jobs and auxiliary services through what's called vending and contracting to make a political point. And he's being applauded in the process of doing so. This man is out of control. He is antithetical to common sense and progress. At some point, Floridians, you will have to wake up to the reality that a madman runs your state. I know that he was in competition with Gillum, who he defeated. Gillum was alleged to have drugs and alcohol, and maybe he liked male prostitutes. Well, I gotta say this, that guy would still run your state better than this one. All right, AB thoughts. First of all, leave Gillum alone. No, he went through enough. No, so look, the Putin, I mean DeSantis, right? We all know it's midterms, they're trying to appeal to their base. But we knew Florida was messed up when they couldn't decide whether they have voted for Bush or Gore, okay? We knew it was something wrong in the water out there. <laughs> Disney is one of the largest employers in that area of Florida. So if you start messing with Disney, first of all, you're messing with people's livelihood beyond the taxes, right? We're American and we need to uphold our democracy and be Americans. What we can't continue to do is decide that when we don't get our way or when we wanna stay in power, forget the people, right? Forget the people that we serve. Let's just find all these little loopholes so that we can get what we want. This is why we need to vote. Y'all, it's, it's, it's midterms and the Republicans are getting a little out of hand with their tactics. DeSantis doesn't have enough money to go up against Disney the way he need to. This is a whole ploy, it's a joke, right? And it's only gonna last for a little bit to, just so he can get his base all riled up and excited to make them think that he's doing something. But the reality is you don't have enough money or backing to go up against Disney the way you need to, to get this particular bill repealed. That's just that. Right. So we'll see. I mean, I think I think DeSantis will bankrupt Florida in order to make a point. And and I also believe DeSantis is using these tropes. He's using these moments to set himself up on a national stage to run for president. So he's willing to play the political game, which in turn hurts his actual constituents in the state, so that he promotes himself as a great national leader for the Republican Party. This is a sad story. Put up the man's picture who was awarded $6 million and the city refuses to pay him, okay? He was wrongfully convicted. His name is Daryl Howard, wrongfully convicted black man. Had the case successfully overturned, he got two murder convictions on his record. He never did them, got them overturned. Received a pardon from the North Carolina governor for those crimes. 
sued the city of Durham for six million and won. He won the case. All right, let's get paid. You can never give him back his life. Six million can never restore the years you took from him. So let's get him his money, damn it. Well, the city is refusing to pay. Even though they spent millions defending the corrupt cops who did this to him. Now, Durham officials have rejected a jury's judgment and decided they would not pay the award after having spent over $4 million to fight the case. According to the News Observer, a federal jury found retired detective Daryl Dowdy, who spent 36 years with the city, lied on Daryl Howard in 1995. As a result, Howard spent 21.5 years of an 80 year sentence in prison. A federal jury found that Detective Dowdy violated Howard's civil rights by fabricating evidence and purposefully conducting a poorly run investigation around the case. These actions resulted in a jury convicting Howard and two counts of second degree murder and one count of arson. He did none of this. Howard and his attorney argued Dowdy was given the authority by way of his badge to set Howard up to be convicted of murdering Doris Washington, 29, and her 13 year old daughter, Nashanda, in 1991. He was convicted of a double homicide that included a 13 year old child. He didn't do it. He was innocent. He wasn't not guilty. He was actually innocent. Never did it. The detective in charge lied, fabricated evidence, manipulated the case, landed the conviction. And finally, he gets justice, right? There's more. The two females were found dead in their few gardens apartment. DNA evidence suggested both mother and daughter were sexually assaulted before they were set on fire. However, no DNA or biological evidence linked Howard to the crime scene or as the rapist. The costly trial lasted several weeks. With the city spending more than $4 million in litigation, I want you to think about that. They spent $4 million in litigation. Who paid for that? The taxpayers did. $4 million in litigation in defense of the detective. Still, the jury needed only an hour to return to the court with the decision that sided with Mr. Howard. All right, that's, that's what you call a slam dunk. Jury took an hour, okay? They basically took lunch, all right? They said, no, you gotta, you did wrong. You gotta pay this man, okay? They spent, the city spent $4 million to defend corrupt cops. They lose, jury says, pay the man $6 million, okay? Despite the finding, the Durham City Council opted to withhold the recommended seven-figure judgment in the case. The decision was made during a series of closed meetings over a three-month span between December and February. While the city is opting not to compensate Howard, legal documents show the city wants the wrongfully convicted man to pay the legal fees of two city workers dropped from the original lawsuit. Now, this is why people don't like elected officials. He was wrongfully convicted, served over 20 years in prison. 
He wins the case, gets his conviction overturned, gets a pardon from the governor, and then gets awarded $6 million because of the corruption of your cops. And you defund the police by defunding the city. You defend these cops. You lose, you do not want to pay the man. In addition to that, you want the man to pay legal fees for your employees at the city. Wow, there's more. Even Dowdy's lawyer, Patricia Shields, thinks the city should pay and not leave her client with the bill. She revealed she had an inkling the city was not going to settle or pay the jury's judgment against Dowdy as far back as August 2021. Someone close to the case told her the city didn't believe they were obligated to pay if the court said he was guilty. She also questioned the rationale to spend so much in taxpayer dollars for the defense only to refuse to pay the judgment, all right? Saying, quote, the city has known all along what Captain Dowdy did and decided to defend him on that basis. I am upset on behalf of my client, Captain Dowdy, who spent 30 years of his life protecting the citizens of Durham. So obviously there's a mixed bag with this attorney, right? She also added that he doesn't have the six million to give from $76,000 year salary made until he retired in 2007. This is fascinating, right? If the jury comes back with a verdict, to the city and says, you gotta pay the man money. The city may say, well, we don't have all of it up front, okay? But where's the payment plan? Where is the, there has to be some level of compromise. Because if the court cannot enforce this against the city, then what's to stop any city, any city from simply saying no to paying out any settlement? All right, AB thoughts. Well, so first of all, this is why we need to be up on how local government works. <laughs> Let's start there. So even though a jury right, decided that he was owed this money, the city council doesn't want to pay. But when a jury said he was guilty of a double homicide that somebody lied on him about, that was perfectly fine. Yep. Um, the first issue I have with this is I don't even know if a city can sue someone for um, attorney's fees. I don't think that can happen. I'm gonna double check on that because I'm in local government right now and I'm pretty sure we just learned that the other day. They're not supposed to be doing that. Beyond that, right, I think what we need to understand is like it is very difficult to overturn a wrongful conviction. Okay, the Supreme Court has upheld um, convictions, right? Like people who are going to be executed despite having evidence of them being actually innocent. So the fact that he was able to overcome such a large burden should account for more than the BS jury verdict he got when he was convicted. Um, Again, this is another reason that we need to be more invested in our local politics. Because if you have a city council who is not on the side of justice, that is not a city council for you. And you might wanna be a little concerned about what other things they're doing behind closed doors behind in their closed meetings within your community. Um, this is this is heartbreaking. And you know, I have a, I have a soft spot for the wrongfully convicted yep. um, because you know, my family suffers from dealing with that right now. So at this point, you know, this is another reason why too, we need a national police registry. When a police officer is found to have done something unjust and wrong like this, there should be a way for other um, like other police agencies to be able to track that and see this. Because this is ridiculous, 21 years of being behind prison walls, $6 million doesn't even come close. So the least they can do is give that man his money so he can have a decent life and try to move forward and heal from what he's dealing with now.
Yeah. So make sure y'all vote. Thank you. Absolutely. And I will say this quickly. Uh, this is the difference between a politician and a public servant. Obviously, everyone who serves on this council, they are politicians. They are not public servants. Public servants, they seek political office in order to remedy social ills. Politicians seek political office in order to get a job, get paid and have power. That is the difference, all right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. All right, let me read some of these comments. Before I get to the comments, uh, can I just say happy 420 to everybody? You know, happy 420, don't get in trouble, but happy 420. All right, <clears throat> very exciting, Dragon Squad, let's make it happen. Dragon Report has been nominated for a Webby Award in the video, news and politics category. Be sure to head over to tyt.com forward slash vote or vote.webbyawards.com, cast your vote with your help. You can win this thing, it's a team effort, all right? Once you vote, make sure you share it on social media. Uh, don't forget about the watch list, the big homie J.R. Jackson. Subscribe to the watch list, youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Also follow on facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. That's every weekday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Find out the stories that you should be paying attention to in news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. Let us not forget. About the gold green sale, we yes, we have a 420 sale today. Shop TYT, take 20% off site-wide at shoptyt.com. The sale includes your brand new, uh, the brand new double dose design, all right? Um, and the newly released Legalize It Air Freshener, all right? Okay, just some advice. If you're going to have that Legalize It Air Freshener, please drive in districts that have at least decriminalized marijuana, all right? I'm just trying to help somebody, okay? All right, uh, this is really dope, okay? Roses in August says, I am the lead paralegal on the Marjorie Taylor Greene case, flying out tomorrow for Georgia. And then Roses in August says, good idea, Dr. Ritchie. We are focusing on the aid and comfort part of our deposition tomorrow morning. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, thank you, you are definitely part of helping save democracy. And just remember that obviously uh, as you continue, okay? Uh, TYT member, um, Eileen, God, God, no dragon. Um, she may just lose this, she has so much out there in her own videos that it would be unbelievable that the constitution would not be enforceable there, yep. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off! I said, there's an African American man threatening my life. Bill O'Reilly done got caught Karening. Here it is. Bill O'Reilly.
I knew he had the Karenicity inside of him. I knew it, damn it. He is probably the original male Karen. Ladies and gentlemen, we can end our search of the OG male Karen. This, we did not think we would find him in this lifetime, okay? But legend has it. If you can destroy an OG male Karen, the other male Karens will cease to exist. Bill O'Reilly Karening at the airport, uh, threatening an employee and telling them you're going to lose your job. All right, Mr. Big Man, Mr. Tough Guy. You know, we should have seen this coming because we actually caught him Karening a few years ago. Uh, remember this? That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Damn it, we'll do it live. I, I can't even. I can't even fake the caronicity that was inside of Bill O'Reilly. Okay, uh, so yes, Bill O'Reilly threatens an individual, um, says they're going to lose their job. Uh, but once again, as I said, we should have seen this coming. Uh, now, he he has to be one of the most arrogant SOBs I've ever met. And yes, I have actually met Bill O'Reilly. I have debated Bill O'Reilly on his show. I mopped the floor with Bill O'Reilly. You all can find that. Literally, there's an article out there that says, Dr. Rashad Ritchie destroys Bill O'Reilly on his own show. There's an actual article that was written about my debate with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, so. You know, the guy's losing it, I think. I think the older he gets, the more senile he becomes. All right, here it is. AB, what are your thoughts? Bill O'Reilly is not one of my favorite people. Okay, <laughs> so he, he actually, the funny thing is, he came for me years ago when I was an undergrad um, wow. in college. And I, I didn't even know who he was at the time. So I love to see it. I loved the same energy they thought they were going to get from Auntie Katanji when those senators were out there talking mess, you know, to her during her confirmation hearing. There you go. So now who's ghetto? Now who's ghetto? <laughs> not us. Not us. So I love it. Keep showing out. Keep showing out, white folks. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that that's just that's just thuggish behavior by Bill O'Reilly. Got something else for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. This is my car, yes. This is my car on our driveway. You can't here. You've never got a problem. You can't park in then why can you guys do it then? This is, this is hers. Yeah, and this is ours. Well, so what's your yeah. point? What's your point? Somebody parked over there. She parked. You guys park all hers. day there. What are you talking she about? This is my driveway. Oh my I park. park back where the parking is. Right. Then why don't you go back there and park there too? There this is. is my side of the property. I don't have to 
move anywhere. Come on out. Yeah, the cop is coming out. Yeah, they're gonna tell you to move your car. This is her driveway. This is our driveway. What the hell is your problem? Karen on Karen conflict. There's more. Okay, that was it. Okay, I thought we had more. I apologize, we don't, that was my fault. There is another video and then the second video, the Karen that's recording says, well, I now have to get out on my driver's side because they parked too close according to her. Um, and she had actually a long stretch of driveway where if she just moved up maybe two inches, there would be no issue with her getting out of her car. Uh, we've seen this before, ladies and gentlemen, Karen on Karen Crime here. Um, when uh, two individuals who have Karenicity oozing out of them engage in conflict, there are no winners to Karen on Karen conflict, none, all right? So AB, here's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> I'm gonna have a press conference, okay? We are going to bring together all of the white leaders in America. We're gonna hold a press conference because we're gonna stand with our white brothers and sisters. We're gonna fight this Karen on Karen conflict, all right? It's getting out of hand. We need to figure out ways to build uh, to build trust among Karens and communities. <laughs> you better than me because I ain't standing with them. <laughs> yo, yo, I might stand in the background somewhere, but this this Karen on Karen crime, you know, these super predators out here. We need to go ahead and take care of this. You know, I know we put some more money into our police force and stuff like that. I just hope that this is, you know, part of the segments we're gonna deal with. Um, but we got a whole war going on. There's people out here hungry, right? It's people out here trying to figure out how they're gonna pay their rent tomorrow. Are you really arguing with somebody over a parking space when it was more than enough space? It was more than enough. Yeah. You know what? These issues, they are above my melanin. <laughs> I can't do it. Really, really can't are. do it. All right, we got more. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Sticking today. All right, welcome back. Uh, let me read a couple of these comments, and we'll get back to the show. Thank you for always engaging. Um, Frog Wizard of Prog says, "Take out the lead, Karen." Uh, Phoenix three two seven seven eight. Uh, let them let them take each other out. Talking about the Karens. All right, fascinating. Okay, Syracuse cop doing this to a child. Here's the video. What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Guess what I'm doing. Hey, he like a baby to me. Why you? Why you? That's what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. You I just see you snatching my butt. So what? So what's going on then? You're stealing stuff. If he breaks into your house, you steal something. Nah, man. What are you saying? A bag of chips? So y'all treat me like a whole cold blood killer? Keep, keep, keep walking, dude. You don't even know what you're keep talking walking. about. Keep walking. I do that. I know what I just came up and see. I know what I just came up and see. Okay, what'd you see? I see y'all snatching him off the back like a grown ass man. Was Ain't he saying it wasn't him? What is y'all doing? What is y'all talking about, that's man? Against, that's against the law. What is y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Take the chips. If you stole some chips, I'll pay for them. I'll pay for them. You don't even know where he lives. Y'all just throwing him in the 
That's what they do. They come here. He's not doing Leave him alone. No camera. That's all we can do. He a kid. This interaction by the Syracuse police lacked humanity, decency, and common respect for a child. Okay? I got more information. And I want to give you the details as to what happened here, okay? But I do want to point out, when the officer saw a concerned citizen, that officer could have easily told the concerned citizen, okay, you're right. Can you talk to him? He needs a mentor. He needs someone to talk to. You're right. Let's have a conversation with this kid. I don't want to take him to jail. Here's what we can do, okay? But instead, he wanted the concerned community citizen to become an enemy of the kid. He wanted the kid to be a villain. So he then creates a scenario that's not part of the record. What if he breaks into your home and steals your stuff? That's not part of the narrative here. We have no information that this kid broke into somebody's home or committed some kind of home invasion and robbery. There's nothing on the record to suggest this. So the cop comes up with an extreme fictional narrative in order to turn a concerned community citizen against a black youth. Don't miss that because it works for some people sometimes, okay? All right, Uh, the Syracuse police released a statement about this and here's what they said and I quote, we are aware of a video being shared on social media involving several of our officers and juveniles accused of stealing from a store on the city's north side, stealing from a store. The incident, including the officer's actions and body-worn cameras are being reviewed. There is some misinformation involving this case. The juvenile suspected of larceny stealing was not placed in handcuffs. He was placed in the rear of a patrol unit where he was directly brought home. Officers met with the child's father and no charges were filed. Okay, let me give you some more background to this, all right? Children, this is a law in that state. Children under the age of 12 no longer face arrest and prosecution for virtually all crimes in New York under a bill signed into law, okay? So this is by statute. They cannot take this youthful offender by statute, this juvenile by statute. There's more. Here's the reason why that new law exists. Across the state, at least 800 children under the age of 12 were arrested by police in 2019. That's according to the Legal Aid Society. In New York City, 90% were black or Hispanic, okay? Bronx State Senator Jamal Bailey, who sponsored the legislation, wrote, and I quote, when you criminalize young folks at an earlier age, they're subjected to much more trauma. And our children, as resilient as they are, as we've seen throughout this COVID pandemic, they can only bear so much. You are absolutely correct, Senator. So here's what we have. We have a concerned community leader, a concerned citizen. We have an officer who's being completely Uh, inappropriate in my opinion and how he's handling this situation. So while they may make a distinction about uh, the child not being placed in handcuffs, they do have the child's hands behind his back and they do detain the child inside of an adult police vehicle. Uh, Now, 
I'm not sure if because of the citizens who recorded and their objection, that may be the reason why this story has an ending that includes taking the child home, okay? All right, AB thoughts on this case. Yeah, so um, I'm a boy mom, right? I have a four year old son. Don't play with my kid like that ever over a bag of chips. Let's start there. This is the issue. So one, I get the New York law, right? That children under the age of 12 cannot be arrested. However, an arrest and a detainment are two different things. And to detain someone, right? Which means all the police have to do is by use of a show of force or authority, make that person feel like they are not free to leave. That is just as traumatizing as being actually arrested, meaning you have formal charges against you. So let's start there. Second, we gotta do more than just be watching. We gotta move for we gotta move past this, like just the watching and recording, because this is why we keep having these issues. And the last thing I'm gonna say about that is that this is not a criminal issue, it's a social issue. He was hungry. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And that has to be highlighted, okay? The kid, if this is true, the kid is stealing food. That means he doesn't have the money to buy it, whatever the food is. Some people may say, well, Doc, he was stealing chips. Well, if a kid is hungry, I, you know, I have a child. My child uh, is 16 years old now. Uh, my child thought when she was a baby baby, that chips, that, that was food, okay? I had to teach her that's not real food, right? So that cannot be dismissed in this conversation, uh, that you literally have a kid who's stealing food and this uh, theft ends up with or potential or alleged theft ends up with the police officer, not only uh, detaining, but also trying to turn the community against the young person. And, and that's the part, you know, that's the part that gets me. And this is why we need real community police officers, real cops that care so deeply about the community that their entire response would have been so different. Completely different. You see concerned community citizens there. You see individuals who are taking an interest in the child. Use it. Utilize that moment. Capitalize on that moment. Be a public servant as you actually are sworn to be. We think we swear in police. Cops think they are cops. That's not how it's supposed to be. You are part of a public safety matrix. You're supposed to be there for the enhancement of public safety. We have somehow allowed the conversation, my dear sister, to de-evolve into a conversation about policing rather than a conversation about public safety. And, and we got to get the narrative back. What are your thoughts on it? We just give the police too much credit and we have them doing jobs that police officers should not be doing. We need more social workers, we need more social people who can deal with these type of issues, right? And we have to also stop making our young black children be adults. They're not adults, they're children and we should treat them as such. And I don't think if the little boy had less melanin in his skin, he would have been traumatized in such a way to feel like a criminal because he was hungry. He yeah. was hungry and another issue is that when you exaggerate facts like this, this is how we lead to wrongful convictions, right? right? This is why police continue to feel like they can do that because they are not checked when they go above the line. Maybe he did still, maybe he didn't. These are allegedly, right? All of this is alleged. 
But what we have to do is start stopping police in their tracks and holding them accountable from the time that they interact with other citizens. You work for us, we are taxpayers. So your job is to protect us, not to disrespect us. So again, I agree with you that we do need more police officers who actually can, who care about the community. Right, not just about their badge and their job, but they care about the community and doing the right thing and doing their job better than anybody else. Yeah, that's yeah. all we need. And the pushback when we put this out on Facebook Watch and YouTube, the pushback is going to be from some. Well, well, being a police officer is a dangerous job, and 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 they have to be this. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not the most dangerous job. The most dangerous job in America is actually cutting trees by way of. Uh, fatality and injury, cutting trees, being a tree cutter uh, is much more dangerous. Driving a taxi is more dangerous than being a cop per capita. Being a store clerk, um, uh, being a store owner or a person that works at a store, uh, at a convenience store, 7-Eleven, that actually is more dangerous based on fatality and injury than being a cop. Here's my point, we don't change the rules and change the laws for those who work in convenience stores. We don't change the rules or change the laws for those that cut trees. Even though those jobs are actually statistically more dangerous than policing. So my point is, you don't change the policy and the culture and the laws for one industry just because that industry is dangerous or potentially dangerous because you haven't done it for any other industry that's even more dangerous. All right, big ups to my linear crew. We're gonna continue on our streaming, all right? Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.